0: Jen. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for praying for me. Jen, thanks for leading us in worship. Morning, church. Good to see you. Happy New Year. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm happy. Uh, I actually am really excited about this year, uh, I, and I don't know why. I don't have like a crystal ball in my desk, and I have not had a prophetic word that this year is going to be better than the last four But like I just I just excited about this year. I feel like good things are in store Uh, Some of that probably comes from how we ended last year Just this ramp up with all the baptisms that were going on all these tangible expressions of like How God has been working in our church and I just want you know I'm really excited about the new year and what God has for us and um, If you want to know more about that like what we have planned for this year We have a um, all-member meeting at the end of the month on the 28th at 5 o'clock. So January 28th, that last Sunday of the year at 5 o'clock Uh, Come be a part of that meeting. It's less of a business meeting and more of a a time of like just celebrating, taking inventory, celebrating what God has done, uh, and maybe even like a pep rally of excitement for what God's going to do and yet to do this year. So be sure you mark your calendar for that. We'd love to talk more about what we have in store for this year. Um, We are going to be starting a series today entitled Created. Uh, We'll spend today and the next two Sundays looking at the big question why why you're here, why we are here as a church. Uh, we're going to find that uh, the answer to both of those questions is intimately tethered together, that really the purpose of one of us is the purpose of all of us, and that, and the reason why we exist as a church when we gather here on Sundays is intimately connected to why you're even on the earth to begin with. And so we're going to start today in Psalm 95. If you want to turn there in your Bible, uh, we're talking about worship um, we're going to do um, kind of a high level today. And as we draw nearer to the end of the series, we're going to bring it closer and closer to the earth, if you will. I was thinking about like um, 27 years ago, I jumped out of an airplane and um, I've shared about that experience here. But one of the things about that experience, people have asked me like, hey, was that scary? And I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah, scary. Like, it, like it'd be strange if it weren't scary. But one of the things I noted about jumping out of an airplane is that at, like, 13,000 feet, which is where we jumped out, my fear was here. And the closer we got to the ground, instead of my fear going down, my fear actually went up, Because, like, when we jumped out, like, we were above this, like... Uh, kind of thin layer of clouds and there wasn't a whole lot of perspective and you really couldn't tell how high you were you're just kind of jumping into the unknown but then the closer you got to the ground somewhere around 3,000 feet I'm like whoa that's a car like and it's a little one and that's a building and that's a road and and then at a thousand people I'm like those are people and the closer I got to the ground the higher I realized I was and the higher my fear rose as well Um, As we go through this series, uh, we're going to start at 13,000 feet today as it relates to why you are here. And then as we draw towards the third week, we'll get closer and closer to the ground. I hope your fear doesn't go up, So that's where the analogy kind of falls short. Um, But hopefully that helps you kind of have some perspective on what we're doing. We're starting high level today, and we're going to hopefully land softly on the earth in two weeks. Uh, We are talking about worship today and the connection between our worship and why we are here. Um, one of the things I want to do to start with before we get into Psalm 95 is take kind of a, a big uh, picture uh, approach to what worship actually means. Like we, when I say that word, you have a meaning. Um, and so for some of you, you're like, yeah, it's the thing we just did. Um, for others of you, it's a, like the church experience that you had as a kid. For others of you, you're picturing a bunch of monks in a Buddhist temple, like, something comes to mind more than likely when I say the word worship. And so, I want to look at what the scriptures, uh, how the scriptures define worship before we even really get into this text today. Um, we're going to look at the original languages. So, like, in, we don't do this every Sunday. And, um, and so, this isn't so that you'll um, you know, be bilingual. Like, I'm not here to like help you learn another language. But there's some real value in looking at the words used in the Bible um, that we translate into worship. That further defines or further broadens our understanding of what it means. So in the Hebrew language, you've got seven words for the nation of Israel. There were seven different words that they could use to describe worship, but in English, we just have one. So I'm going to walk you through a few of those words here on the screen. We'll put these up for you. Uh, the first word there is shakah, And so this word is the, is the most frequently used word of the Old Testament. It means to bow down, Or to prostrate oneself, so that's like to lay down flat. Um, This is the most commonly used Hebrew word for worship. Most cases when you're reading the Old Testament and you come across worship, it's this idea. There were some other words, though, that they used. One was um, abad, and that just simply meant to serve. You can actually worship um, something or someone through service. So the idea of worshiping God, I'm serving God. So some of you may be here today, you're volunteering. I see some green shirts in the room. Um, You're serving the church or serving others uh, can be an expression of worship. Um, Then we get to uh, Yare. Uh, This is the idea of fear. Uh, Yare in a worship context conveys a sense of like awe and reverence towards God. And this this fear is not about being afraid, but about having a profound respect and honor for God. So think of this one as like quiet worship. I'm bowing. I'm positioning my my heart and my mind in reverence before God. Another Hebrew word would be tequila. So think, well, don't think tequila, but it sounds like tequila, but with an H, tequila. And this is the word that gets translated praise. I see some of y'all laughing over there. So this is the idea of like singing or praising or proclaiming the glory of God, but it's specifically about vocalizing admiration and thankfulness to God. So it has a musical feel to it, but it's when you open your mouth and praise. When you say things um, of worship or praise or adoration towards God. Say, I love you or great are you lord or any kind of ex- expression that is vocally well connected to that on the next slide you'll see there's another word that is musically connected and this is the word zamar uh, it means to make music to sing praise um, so zamar is about expressing worship through music both instrumentally or vocally okay and so i just want to like add this in there music is not man's invention case in point study any culture from any time and they're going to have music like all across this room we have varying spotify preferences right different genres of music but it would be strange if you were a human and there wasn't some kind of music somewhere that you attached to or that that moved you so like as god's creating the physics of the universe he's creating sound uh, to move in waves And these waves in certain frequencies can be organized into tones. When organized together with the right tones, you get a key of music, and you add those tones to rhythm and timing and tempo, and you get this beautiful thing we call music. This was God's design as he's speaking the universe into existence. So this call to use music in worship is God saying, hey, take what I created that you love, this thing that moves you, and use it to worship me. We also get a couple other words. This next one, atah, we'll see this in the psalm today. This one might kind of catch you off guard, but it simply means to come or to approach. Atah implies drawing near to God, that just me moving towards God, not saying anything, not singing anything, not, not praying anything, just my movement towards God is worship. And then the final word in Hebrew language is barak. This one means to bless, to kneel, or bow. So Barak is, is to acknowledge God's greatness and responding with blessing and adoration and praise. And so you can see overlap between these different words. In the New Testament, we have the Greek language, really only have two words. I'll give those to you real quickly. Uh, the first one is proskuneo. And this is the idea of kissing the hand. So not like romantic love. This is not your... You know, your BFF or your girlfriend. This is like when you kiss the hand of a king. You know, that, that, that movement to like bow and kiss a hand um, or to fall on the knees and touch the ground with the forehead um, as an expression of profound reverence uh, to adore by kneeling or bowing. So Prescuneo is where someone is showing an outward expression of a deep reverence and adoration. And then this last word in the Greek language, this again will be in the New Testament, is is latrueo. It's my best attempt to pronounce it. It's to worship through serving. That showed up in both Hebrew and Greek. Um, Latrueo implies a life dedicated to God's service, encompassing obedience, um, and the living out of one's faith. So this is Sunday, but you're all going to leave here, and then Monday's coming for you. And so you don't have to wait until next Sunday to have an experience of worship. There's an experience of worship that can be had in everyday life. This is the, this is the idea of Romans chapter 12, uh, verses one and two, where Paul writes, he says, hey, in view of God's mercy, present yourselves as living sacrifices. And then he goes on to say, this is your spiritual act of worship. And that's that last Greek word, litreo, that you would serve God with all of your life. And so... I put together just this definition here for us to pull all this together as we get started today. Biblical worship is the expression of adoration, reverence, and submission through blessing, kneeling, bowing down, making music, singing, drawing near to God's presence, and serving Him sacrificially in my everyday life. And from the words of Jesus in Mark chapter 12, loving the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and with all my strength. So when we use the word worship, right, it's a lot bigger than what we oftentimes have in our minds. It's more than the songs we sing, but it includes the song we sing when the songs we sing are sung with adoration and reverence and awe. And so now we're going to walk into Psalm 95 together the first two verses and look at what this has to do then with my purpose here on earth and why we exist as a church. Verse 1 says this. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. The first thing I want us to note here is that this is a communal invitation. So there is a worship experience you can have, and I believe we should have, that is personal, that is private in your everyday life. But there is something clearly in the Bible that is sacred around when God's people gather together to worship together. Did you hear that in the image? Come, let us do this together. Let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. So we have a team of volunteers up on the stage in our service. We call them the worship team. They aren't up here to worship for you. They're not up here because you bought a ticket to the show, to use the concert analogy. They're actually just lead worshipers. They're just up here to lead the way that we might follow them. You also are a lead worshiper where you sit. You may not even realize this, but when you engage your heart in worship with other believers in this Communal experience together. Just your engagement in worship invites the person next to you to join you. You're saying, "Hey, let us do this together." Like, come sit by me. Come sing with me. Let's let's do this thing together. I want to talk for a minute about um, different styles and ways that we can worship. I'm going to read. Uh, psalm 150 first so this is the last psalm in in your in your bible so there's 150 psalms this is where psalms ends with these six verses praise the lord praise god in the sanctuary that's this corporate gathering place praise him in his mighty heavens praise him for his mighty deeds Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the trumpet sound. Did anybody bring the trumpet? If somebody pulls out a trumpet, I'm going to probably fall over and pass out. It's okay. We're going to be okay. The point is not that you have a trumpet. The point is that you would see music as a means by which to bring Him praise. Look, at the list continues. Praise Him with the trumpet sound. Praise Him with the lute or the harp. Anybody got a lute? I've got some lute, but I don't have a lute. Harp. Jennifer was playing one, had six strings. Praise him with the tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. You may not know this, uh, but Jerry broke one of our cymbals this morning in rehearsal. Hey. It looks like you were just doing worship biblically. Like, praise him with loud clashing symbols. That's what he was trying to do. And let everything that has breath, that has existence, praise the Lord. Now, we, this, in a room this size, we, we come from different traditions, right? Like, some of you maybe grew up in what would be described as a charismatic tradition. Where are my charismatics, by the way? Raise your hand. I won't do this to anybody else but charismatics. I got one right here. Anybody else? Two, three. Okay, okay. Because charismatics don't mind being seen, so that's why I can do that to you. You may have grown up in a charismatic tradition which would describe maybe a more lively, exciting worship environment. There's more movement. There's a lot more excitement and impromptu things that happen, and and so that's more of a charismatic worship environment. Um, You may have grown up in a worship environment that was more reverent. Like it was, it was about reverence. There was a lot of bowing, maybe even some kneeling and like really like, like physically expressing your worship through like awe and, and a sense of fear of who God was. Can, can we see that like both are expression, valid expressions of worship? And like here's what, here's what tends to happen. Birds of a feather flock together. Right. So like you tend to have churches that the style of worship kind of kind of looks a certain way. And then you've got a church over here that looks a little different way. And so you have charismatic churches or you have other different styles of worship. And so like and I would say like, hey, I've got no issues with that. Here's my sadness in that. Like my sadness is that in my mind, at least. And I may be an optimist here. Something beautiful about like all of that, those expressions coming together in one church. What if there were room for both? What if there was room for us to, like, say, no, all of this is biblically described as worship, and we were able to bring it in one space? And any given Sunday, you might be bringing something else. Let's do this. This will be fun. little exercise. I'll show you how easy this is, because some of you are freaking out right now, and you're expecting me to roll out the snakes. I'm not going to do it. All right, so on the count of three, I'm going to have you clap, okay? So it'll be one, two, three, then clap. Okay? Baptists, you with me? It's going to be hard for you. My charismatics are already, like, ready. Okay, so here we go. One, two, three. Okay, there were two Baptists in the room. I heard you. Let's, let's try two claps this time. One, two, three, then clap, clap, okay? One, two, three. Congratulations, you're now charismatic. Here's the point the point isn't that we cover all these bases every time we get together and that everybody is going to express their worship exactly the same way but what we're going to see today is that God wants you to bring to him what you have and you may roll into church with your heart just full of thanksgiving and joy and like you're ready to sing And even though you may have grown up in a a more reverent tradition, you're going to move around a little bit because you're just excited about who the Lord is and what the Lord has done. There may be a Sunday you roll in and you grew up in a church where every Sunday was a rock concert, pep rally for Jesus, excitement, but your heart's broken and you're just not feeling it and you just want to just want to sit and be silent in your own heart and like you just want to just kind of sit in the presence of the lord how beautiful it would be if we could bring all this together in one place the other thing i noticed here in these first two verses that i want to point out is this Not only is this a communal invitation for us to bring our worship together, um, what he says is this, let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him. So as we gather, different worship styles, different places we're coming from, sometimes we come into this place and we sing a song about God. You know what that is? That's a a declaration and an invitation to one another When the words of the song are about him, we're saying hey, this is what I believe about him And i'm inviting you to believe it with me But then you'll notice a transition in the words of the songs we sing that eventually we start singing to him And that's the point that the psalmist is making we aren't just merely getting together and singing songs about god and he's like a thousand miles away So God's not on another continent waiting for my email later this afternoon to let him know, hey, we worship you today. Like what, what Shane was talking about in communion is this reminder and this celebration that what Jesus did on the cross opened up this access. And listen, you aren't just a concert goer. You're not even a VIP. You're one of the kids who gets to bypass the line and run directly to the Father and be in his presence. So whether you raise your hands and you move around and sing at the top of your lungs or you're there in reverence and silence, worship happens in his presence. That's the invitation here. Hebrews chapter 4, 6, verse 16 says this, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help him in time of need. That's describing, bypassing the line. Not waiting, just running directly because he's not some rock star on the stage, he's your dad. And going directly to his throne. We'll pick this back up again in verse 3 now. Verse 3 is going to challenge us a little bit. What the psalmist is going to do now is going to identify who it is we're worshiping. So verse 3 says, For The Lord is. So now the psalmist is telling us who it is we're worshiping. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, the heights of the mountains are his also, the sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. He is a great God. He is a great king, and he is the creator of all things. I want to give you two principles about the worthiness of God for our worship. Here's the first principle. God is worthy to be worshipped, whether he does anything in my life or not. That's the guiding principle behind worship. What the psalmist is doing is saying, hey, let me remind you who God is. He's a great God. He's he's above all the kings. He holds the depths of the oceans. He holds the heights of the mountains. He holds the universe in the palm of his hand. This is the one we are worshiping. And so principle number one is this. God is worthy to be worshiped whether he does anything in my life or not whether he moves towards me or not and here's what's doubly sweet church and he is a god who does something like if he did nothing he'll be worthy of worship but what makes it doubly sweet is he is a god who has made us promises he said hey anyone who calls on the name of jesus will be so he does things He is near to the brokenhearted. He brings comfort to those who are mourning. Like this great God who's worthy to be worshipped, whether he does anything or not, moves towards us and works powerfully and gracefully in our lives. So principle number one is he is worthy to be worshipped whether he does anything in my life or not. And here's the second principle. God's worthiness to be worshipped doesn't change based on how I am feeling some days I feel like worshiping and other days something else is going on but his worthiness doesn't change now track with me on this based on what I'm feeling and here's the here's the revolutionary part and listen to this I don't have to change how I'm feeling to worship him That's one of the big misconceptions about worship in the modern day church is that somehow we've got to figure out how to pull it together, fix it up, clean it up, and and bring our happy face in to worship God. God is worthy to be worshiped regardless of what I'm feeling, and I don't have to change what I'm feeling to worship him. I want to show you some examples of this from the Psalms. So as I read, these are lyrics from songs that the Hebrew nation would sing in worship. Try to imagine the look on this person's face. Psalm 13, verse 1. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? See, that doesn't doesn't fit into our 21st century American model of worship, does it? Like, I don't remember singing that song earlier. I'll give you another one. This is from Psalm 22. Jesus quoted this song when he was on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? From the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Verse 3, yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. The psalmist is saying, here's where I'm at. I feel like you've forsaken me. I feel like you're so far from me. But but that has not changed your worthiness to be worshipped. You're still holy. Good. One more example from Psalm 109, starting in verse 1. Be not silent, O God of my praise. wicked and deceitful mouths are open against me speaking against me with lying tongues they encircle me with words of hate and attack me without cause so again god is worthy to be worshiped whether he does anything in my life or not and it's doubly sweet because god has come to us and he does things in our lives How I feel does not impact God's worthiness to be worshipped. And I don't have to change how I feel to worship Him. All I have to do is bring what I have. And some days you're going to bring into His presence a 55-gallon drum of joy, just ready to spill it out all over the floor and everybody else around you. And there are going to be days where you come in and your heart is heavy with sorrow, stricken with grief, spinning out in questions and doubts and wondering where God is. You don't have to change how you feel. Just bring him what you have. You're like, I don't know. Can we do that? I'm looking at my ticket. Does it say that in the fine print? I can, no. God's like, no, 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 no. Skip the line. You're now my children, sons and daughters. Skip the line and bring it to me. I can handle your joy and I can handle your sorrow. And I can hold them both at the same time. And so we'll wrap up here with verse 6 with this once again invitation. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. And you may be the one standing to your feet, singing the top of your lungs one Sunday, and you may be the person bowing and Drenched in tears the next. And I want you to know that. like, I've, In the counseling part of what we do as a ministry, somebody's going through grief. Sometimes they'll say to me, hey, I just don't think I'm ready to, to come back this Sunday. I don't think I'm ready to be around everybody. I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, I'm going to miss you. I'm sad, but I get it but here's the thing if you're not coming just because you don't want to cry around us let me just say hey we got space for that here we'll take that in our worship now if you need to be home we respect that we honor that but i just want you to know your tears are welcome here too you don't have to wait until your smile is back to come to church god is worthy to be worshiped whether you feel like it or not you don't have to change how you feel to worship him Bring what you've got and bring it to him. So, here's where we're going to land today, that this idea that as individuals we are created not to worship, we're created for worship. Okay? If we just say to worship, it means it's just one of the things we might do. For worship means this is the essence of why you're here. You were first and foremost created as an image bearer. Your primary role on earth is to reflect the image of God. To glorify who God is as an image bearer. And that is the essence of why you are here. You are created for worship. And guess what? That's why the church is here too. We exist for worship. So our vision statement that we'll be working through over the next couple weeks is this solid rock our vision is this to make disciples for jesus through first and foremost christ-centered worship we just did that today didn't we christ alone the second part is this not only do we gather together to worship we gather together in biblical community we're gonna this is community group week so we're gonna have community groups meeting all over the town doing this and then finally living the mission in our everyday lives this is why you are here on the earth and this is why we exist as a church i want to wrap up with some questions for reflection this is just a way for you to think about how god is speaking to you through his word and through something you've heard today and the first question is this how does psalm 95 expand or challenge your current understanding of what it means to worship god did you come in today thinking that worship only happens in music and maybe today that's been expanded you're able to see oh we've been worshiping God since we got out of the car we can worship by shaking hands and pressing in in biblical community and praying together and communion together and the reading of God's word together how has this now challenged or expanded your view of what worship is second question is this how does worshiping with other believers on sunday what we're doing in here how does that encourage you in your relationship with god how does this what we're doing here on sunday make its way to wednesday or do you leave here thinking man i just i have to hold my breath until i get back next week how does what we do together as the church trickle into everyday life and how does it impact your relationship with God on a daily basis the next question is this how does God's sovereignty over everything impact your attitude towards worship as the psalmist said like hey let me just tell you about this God you're singing to real quick he holds the depths of the oceans in one hand and the heights of the mountains in the other hand oh by the way he's got the whole universe How does that view of God impact your attitude towards worship? Something that you're willing to do, something you want to do. This next question, we're going to drill down a little bit deeper, okay? Feel free to write this down or take a picture, but take at least a moment to think about it. How or what, excuse me, does it look like to have a heart of worship during challenging or painful times in your life what does it look like in your story when things get hard do you back away do you run and hide or do you like the psalmist just did do you bring that to him so what does worship look like in your story when you meet challenging or painful times And we'll end with this question. How does Psalm 95 encourage you to think about ways you can worship God in your everyday life this week? What's worship going to look like for you Monday morning when your alarm clock goes off or Wednesday night after the kids go to bed or Friday when you clock out? Do people clock out anymore? Sign off. You do. That's my son. That means he has a job. I'm doing something right but What does worship look like in that moment In the everyday moments of your life um, I'm going to spend a moment praying for you and for us and, and our normal rhythm here Just in case you're visiting is that when we get to this part of our service We ask our prayer partners to be down at the front so you know who they are There'll be some people over here some people over here um, I want you to know that they came to church today excited about the thought that you might ask them to pray for you You're not bothering them. You're not putting them out. Like, they literally said, yes, I'll be here because I would love to pray with somebody. So, if there's anything going on in your life, you're like, man, I'd really like to have another believer pray um, over this or pray with me in this. Come grab one of our prayer partners. They would love to pray with you. Um, If you've got questions about the church or anything that maybe I've said today, um, grab a pastor or an elder. You've seen two pastors already. Nick was up here earlier. I'm up here. Blake is over probably in the other building, and we've got elders as well. We'll be in this room or out in the commons. Come grab one of us. We'd be honored to talk with you, answer questions, uh, and serve you in any way we can. So I'm going to pray for us, and then our worship team uh, is going to come out and, and lead us in singing a song, and here's, here's what I'm going to ask of you, okay? With all sincerity, only bring what you have as we sing this next song, okay? I don't, we don't need you to pretend. We don't need you to fix it up. We don't need you to act more excited than you are. Now, if you're excited, let it rip. But my challenge to you is only bring what you have. And let's worship him together. I'm gonna pray for us now. Father, thank you for being worthy of our worship. It is absolutely true that the worthiness of your worship does not change or diminish. Whether we feel it or not, whether we're in the mood or not, whether we like the music or not, none of those things impacts your worthiness for our praise. I'm so thankful, God, that as you've created us for worship and then showed us in the Scripture what worship can look like, you've given space for us to bring to you what we have. Some of us will bring joy and some of us will bring sorrow. Some of us will bring excitement and confidence and others of us may bring doubts and fears but father we bring you our worship together as one gift and offer it to you you truly are a great god a king among all above all kings and the maker of the heavens and the earth and so we praise you now in jesus name amen